Loving God and Making Money. I am Julaine Smith. And I'm Kyla Alvarez. And Kyla, so good to be back again this week as mm-hmm. we continue to talk about uh, women in the marketplace and diversity, equity, inclusion, just issues that are so relevant uh, to uh, the world today that we're living in. And yeah, I'm, I'm and excited. this is for everyone. And, you know, I think oftentimes it's easy for people to be like, oh, you know, this isn't my department. I don't specialize in this. I don't mm-hmm. feel called to that. Or maybe mm-hmm. you're a guy and you're like, this isn't for me. What does this have to do with me kind of yeah. a thing? Yeah, and, everything and it, really. Yeah, it does. And we need you. We need um, those who res- represent a majority culture to partake in things like this. If we don't all Absolutely. learn together, uh, people get left behind. That's right. That's right. And for us, and you know, just des- desiring to just stimulate and encourage you, our listeners, to um, lean into your purpose and to pursue the things of God as you uh, serve others. It's really important for uh, for us to all understand what the current state of affairs are as it pertains to representation of women, so that you know we could be aware of uh, how we can make an impact. What are the things that we can actually affect positive change mm-hmm. on, you know? And this representation issue is huge. You know, huge. as women step out, <laughs> uh, you know, yeah. come out, get outside the box. Oh, for you real. Know, break down some stereotypes. Yeah. You know? And you know what's funny? So, I was looking on LinkedIn mm-hmm. um, recently and just job posts. Mm-hmm. And gosh, Julian, I can't even tell you, like for you guys, the listeners, you need to start getting educated in this because mm-hmm. it's actually becoming such a requirement of even being able to be hireable mm. now. Like a lot of people are like... To be aware of it. Yes, yeah. of understanding um, diversity issues. Like it's it's starting to be a part of a code of conduct for even hiring. Absolutely, absolutely. And, and when you're at a level of leadership... Mm-hmm. Within an organization, it's so extremely important. You know, we all have our own uh, biases. Yep. I mean, and so we need to be self aware yep. with regards to what those are. And I think that what we're talking about, Kyla, is really trying to uh, help people to understand and recognize what those biases are. Exactly. Right? And help um, build systems. Exactly. Fix it. I mean, they may be conscious, they may be unconscious. Yep. But, that, you know, to the extent we're more self aware as human beings, to that's the extent to which we can then begin to confront some of our assumptions yes. and um, break down barriers and, and change minds, right? And that's really what needs to happen today. So today we're going to talk a little bit more as we continue in this topic. We're going to talk about underrepresentation yes. of women in the workforce. So why don't we go ahead and um, remind our leaders of some of the stats that you were able to uh uh, mine out as it pertains to representation in the workforce. Yeah, so there's a lot of um, stats done. The Harvard Business Review has done a great mm-hmm. job mining all this out. They've done whole segments around this issue. But yeah, statistically, 51% of women um, comprise the managerial workforce, which is really incredible, actually, mm-hmm. considering where we were just a few decades ago. Yeah, one in two people, basically, yeah. it, that's a female in the workforce. It's huge. Yeah, um, in Management, folks. I mean, so that means that you are leading other people. Yes. Yeah. But once we get to the executive level, okay. Um, overall, it looks like only about fourteen 
percent of women comprise that portion. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then even when we look at Fortune 500 companies, we're actually only at eight percent. Right. So even you know bigger the company, you know smaller the representation. Right. Really. And I was just looking at some stats and um, with regards to representation of women on boards of publicly traded companies. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting that the statistics that I saw, uh, about 25% of the, uh, uh, the board seats are held by women uh, in companies that are considered the Russell 3000 index. Mm-hmm. Um, but And so those are uh, larger companies. And, and the statistics were saying that as the companies get smaller, the representation actually goes down. So it's, it's indicating that um, larger companies are getting this a little bit more so mm-hmm. than smaller. I'm talking again about women who hold seats on publicly traded Boards, companies yeah. of publicly traded, um, the boards of publicly traded companies get that together here. So, so again, I think what we're trying to say is, you know what, we're making some headway. Yeah. But there's more work to be done. And so what are some of the, the, the reasons why perhaps, uh, we don't have as many women? Um, you know, representing the higher levels of impact in, in the marketplace. Um, and then what can we do about it? Exactly. Well, I think one of the biggest myths, like I was even just talking to somebody yesterday and he, he, uh, actually does a lot of trading in the Shanghai stock market mm-hmm. high up there, does a lot of the like Bitcoin, cryptocurrency, oh, yeah, cryptocurrency. stuff. And, yeah. you know, just among so many business owners that I speak with, a lot of their myths and their psychology of this issue in particular mm-hmm. is they're like, well, if you're qualified for the job, you'll get it. You know, like there's a lot of oh, assumptions God. of like, you're, well, let, let, we don't have to worry about whether you're a woman or anything. I don't see color. And oh, we're I like, that. I do too. When people say they don't see color, I'm like, I'm I know. scared of you. Right. Because God made us in different colors and hues. So obviously he sees color. Why do you say you don't see color? People... There are different colors out there, yeah. <laughs> okay? There are different skin tones. Don't try to deny that. Yeah, and, and it's just, it's not about, like, even the pigment of your skin. It's just the stories that get attached to the pigment of the mm-hmm, skin. Mm-hmm. It's it's what goes beyond that. For example... Yeah. Um, the stereotypes. Yeah, the stereotypes. Exactly. In my life experiences, because of, unfortunately, the color of my skin and because I identify as a woman, my life experiences are different. For example, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I highly doubt for any of our listeners, if you're a white female, you've had a white man approach you with you and your baby and looked at your your baby and called him a little effer. Like, I highly doubt you've had that. I have had that. You know, I've I've gone into restaurants and people said, oh, I didn't know I was sitting with my maid and my gardeners. I've gone into places and literally people ignore me because I'm a woman and they'll only speak to my husband. Those are particular experiences that unfortunately happen with certain people. But a lot of people are like, oh, you're too sensitive or whatever. But right. but that's heard, why this is so important. It is important because I've actually, I sit on a couple of boards and I've been in some um, uh, executive sessions of board meetings and we've been talking about this issue of diversity, equity, inclusion. And, and I hear people make comments like you just mentioned, Kyla, oh, we should hire the best person for the job yep. and that person will rise to the top. With and when you make those kind of statements, on the one hand, you think, okay, well, what's wrong with that? That seems to be equitable. That seems to be the right thing to do for an organization. Yeah. The reason it's an issue is that it ignores the systemic, racist, 
institutions Mm -hmm. that from the jump cause certain people groups to not be able to excel and to prosper in their particular area of calling. There are hurdles that are systemically placed in front of us that we have to jump over that other people, the majority group, I say the the uh, white Anglo-Saxon Protestants of America, don't have to jump these hurdles. I That's the reality. Yeah. Yeah. And so when you say, well, the best person will um, uh, rise to the top and we're going to hire the best person and you don't acknowledge the fact that there are some people who have to deal with these hurdles, then you're also not giving those people who are excelling despite the racism, despite the hurdles, you don't give them as much of an opportunity to be the person that you're going to select, right? They may not even be uh, a part of the group of candidates that you would consider because you're not even casting your net wide enough yeah. In the areas where they convene, in the areas yeah. where they live, in the in the uh, communities or the cities where they are, right? Exactly. Because you have isolated yourself and and created this kind of a bubble that mm-hmm. you live in that then um, limits your understanding of of what is possible if you were to bring somebody in who maybe has a different uh, ethnic background or a yeah. different race, you know. Totally. So it's really it's a very difficult sometimes issue to. Uh, articulate in a way that engages without building barriers because yeah. people are so sensitive, yeah. especially if they're, if they are not a minority, they are, they don't get it. They don't see their own uh, unconscious or uh, bias at work. Yeah. You know? And that's often because, you know, for when you're a majority culture person, um, so, you know, in this case here, it's, it would be a white male, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, you're used to setting your own standard, right? Oh, yeah. You, because you sit at the top, you sit at the top with other people who look like you and think like you. So you continually rebuild this habitual cycle that justifies how you perceive things, right? So for example, the person who's like, oh, well, we just want the top best qualified people the to best sit. and the brightest. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. and there's yeah. nothing wrong with that. But right. Right. but right. the big caveat of this is who actually created the standard of what is the best mm-hmm. and who who created those measurements and why do we have those measurements? Because what companies are finding out is that what we've perceived as the best actually isn't the best. So this is why equity, diversity, and inclusion is so important is because what we're realizing, well, what majority culture is finally realizing is that uh, women or marginalized people, people of color, those experiences are an asset to your company. Absolutely. Right? Like, yeah. for example, women are are the ones who actually make our market function. Like, they're the ones who are the biggest consumer. Women are big consumers, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. But if you get some women to actually understand the needs and the desires and how women function, Mm -hmm. you're going to actually get a better result for as a business on how to tailor your specific item to women, right? right? right. Because you have representation. That's right. Um, So we're, we're learning that diversity, equity, inclusion matters because those people are an asset to how we perceive and restructure and, um, broaden even what we do as a business, right? Exactly. Because our target market in America 
uh, the just the demographic of mm-hmm. America is shifting. Yes. And and so therefore there are more cultures represented. There are more ethnic groups represented. Um and so as a business if you're not aware of that shift and you're mm-hmm. not trying to engage with a diverse market, uh then you're less likely to be able to grow your business or sustain your market share. Exactly. Uh, as compared to someone who has more sensitivity and understanding of the diversity of the market that they're serving. And so when you have people on leadership, uh, whether it's at the managerial level, the executive level, or the board level, mm-hmm. who are they themselves a representation of that diversity? When you have them sitting at the table, you have their voice. Yes. And so that gives you a better understanding of, yes. of what it is that you can do and should be doing to serve the people that you're called to serve. Exactly. You know? And this is why representation matters, right? Right. Is exactly. We... Um, it would be presumptuous and asinine, in my opinion, for majority culture people to think they can sit at the top and make the best choices for minority people. Oh, so yeah. and and that happens a lot, it right? Has hit throughout history, yes, it's the yeah. you know we 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 have men, white men, often making the choices for women. Um, you know, and this is why it's so important to try to strive to get into the executive positions. It's important to have women at the top because they are the ones best suitable to represent those individual issues. Because unless if you live it for yourself, it is a secondhand account and it's not going to do as good of a justice as someone Mm -hmm. who understands it firsthand. Exactly. So there's, there's a, there's a, uh, I think a, a stewardship responsibility um, on the one hand uh, of those who are seated in positions of power, Mm -hmm. the decision makers, Uh, this stewardship responsibility is to acknowledge the value that diversity, whether it's uh, in terms of gender or ethnicity, brings to the table. Mm -hmm. There's also a responsibility on the other side when we talk about, you know, excellence and hiring the best and the brightest. There's also responsibility on the supply side, if you will, for women and um, uh, ethnic minorities to be prepared Mm -hmm. to sit at the table. Totally. Right? Investing into them. Exactly. And so and so as we talk about this topic, I want to be balanced in our conversation around it because I think it's important for our listeners to also take responsibility to the extent that our listeners are uh, either women or of an ethnic minority that they take responsibility for uh, developing their potential mm-hmm. and leaning into the opportunities that are presented to them to break out of their own box. Yeah. Because okay, if you are if you're part of a, a group that's been stereotyped, I don't care what the stereotype is. Mm-hmm. One of the challenges that we have as human beings is to challenge mm-hmm. that stereotype in our own mind. It's true, right? Because if somebody is telling you. You are a certain way. Like I was watching, uh, Terrence and I were watching this uh, program 
I'll just give a shout out. Trevor Noah. We watch Trevor Noah. He's hilarious to us. Okay. He had this little snippet last week on his program where he was um, uh, mining out some old videos that Bernie Sanders had uh-huh. when he was like a uh, governor. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Girl in Vermont. It was hilarious. But one of the things that he was doing, Bernie, in his attempt to try to educate the citizens of his, of his town, he was describing all the stereotypes. Oh, lovely. I was, it was so crazy because we were like, oh, my God, guy, do you realize that you're talking to these little kids? And as you're describing the stereotypes of the different ethnic groups, you're actually teaching the yeah. stereotypes to these kids. Totally. Okay. So one of them was, and we had never heard this before, but one of them was that black people smell. Oh, and I was heck. like, oh, my God, honey, did you know that people would think that black people smell? Smell, right? Yeah. So, okay, so I'm just using this as an example of saying, okay, now if I was a young child and I was exposed yeah. to that kind of stereotype, I'd be walking around thinking, oh my God, do I stink? Or people think I stink. Totally. My point is we have to challenge in our own mind what other people say about us that's not true. Yes. Right. And so what or I'm, it's just bias or exactly. someone else setting the standard. Exactly. And if we don't challenge those things, then we begin to believe mm-hmm. those things. And then it puts us in a box. Yeah. In other words, we will we will be in we our vision our of our understanding of what we can accomplish will be hindered by our embracing of a stereotype that says you are this way or you can't be this person or or you will never, you know, fill in the blank. And yeah. so what I'm saying to our listeners is, listen, folks, I don't care if you're a woman. I don't care if you're a black woman. I don't care what it is that you are are labeled as in uh, in our society. It's up to each of us to dig deep into our own uh, soul, our mind, our will, and emotion and connect with what God says about us. We need to understand who we are so that when we grab when we um grab a hold to that truth, then it empowers us to not only challenge what other people are saying but to resist the urge to say I can't. Totally. I can't do this because I I grew up in East Oakland and I'm a black woman. And so statistics say that, you know, I'm not to sit at the table. We have to resist the urge to believe what other people are saying about us and push forward to take advantage of the opportunities that we have to advance in the marketplace, regardless of the racism and the institutional boundaries and barriers that society has placed in front of us. Yeah. Well, I mean, I know we're coming to a close here soon, but um, as far as, you know, most of our listeners, you know, this is called loving God and making money. Mm-hmm. And this is where issues like even with the church and representation have significant impacts on women, right? Because mm-hmm. we're still in a place where a lot of women don't even feel if you believe in, you know, God, a lot of our churches don't even represent female leadership, let mm-hmm. alone believing in ourselves in the the world outside of the church. How right. and this is why even the church should be a forerunner in equipping and releasing and training women is because we're supposed to be forerunners, right? Right, of setting a pace of what culture is supposed to be. But if we in the church don't even see women leading and being empowered, how are we going to start feeling like we're equipping women outside at the church? And that's really a, a significant um, 
point as it pertains to women who are called to ministry. Yep. Right. Because it's it's the same it's the same challenge. If you're called to ministry and you don't have the mentors, you don't see the representation and leadership in the denomination uh, or the local church that you are called to serve in, it can hinder your vision about what is possible Absolutely. for you yes. in the ministry that God has called you to. Yeah. And I even believe that for myself, Jelaine, like going to the church I've gone to for a long time, you know, I, I only saw women essentially getting hired on as pastor's wives. And mm-hmm. even then they weren't the ones being able to lead. They weren't, even though we would say, oh, they're pastors, they're leaders, like we, we mm-hmm. believe in them. Mm-hmm. Uh, it also, it always came down to, well, the husband gets to speak, the woman gets to assist, like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, mm-hmm. we believe in her equality and whatnot. Yeah. But because of that, I, as a leader, the side effects that I saw was a lot of my girls believing, oh, well, I feel called to ministry, so I need to marry a pastor. Mm. And we thought that was the gateway to ministry. Oh um, my goodness, that's interesting. Right? And it's just because that is a culture and a psychological yes. yeah. um, repercussions of what people see. So that's yeah. why it's important yeah. to, to check whether you're a business owner or you're a ministry, whether you're male or female, what what do you actually see? This is why representation matters. It does matter. Is because matter. visuals are powerful. If you never see a black person become president, it's hard to imagine it even possible. Um, It doesn't mean it's impossible, but representation helps changes a standard of how we perceive and Mm -hmm. do things. So, yeah, that's so good. So good. So good. And I hope that I tell you, anyone listening to this podcast today that has ever questioned their call and their purpose or put boundaries or limitations on what it is that they can accomplish because because they're a woman or um, because of their ethnic background, I just hope that just by listening to this podcast that Kyle and I have uh, inspired you to check your thinking, check your thoughts and and to challenge um, what someone has said you can't do or shouldn't be doing uh, because of your gender, especially if you're a woman and you're wanting to go into ministry or into business. There are some amazing people out there who are defying the odds and breaking down stereotypes and busting through barriers why not why not you you know you can do the same thing we can do the same thing and so this is what loving God and making money is all about is acknowledging who we are in Christ our identity is solid in our understanding that we are the righteousness of God called by him to do great exploits and and in the same time that we're doing that and to the extent that we're doing it in the marketplace you know what we're going to go out and we're going to do it well we're going to bring glory to God we're going to make more money save more give more than we ever dreamed possible. That's what this podcast is all about. It's encouraging us to do those things that God has called us to do. So Kyla, we're going to go ahead and wrap it up for today. Um, anything else you want to say before we uh, close out our session this week? Yeah. I just say when you're listening to this stuff, I just say, pray, just sit in the presence of God, yeah. because I think for a lot of people, this is hard to swallow. Mm, and it's, mm-hmm. you know, there's so much bias back and forth between, oh, what they're saying is crazy or they're exaggerating and this and that. But I just want to say as a person of color, like 
as as just even a child of God, we mm-hmm. have a responsibility to hear mm-hmm. the cries mm-hmm. of the other person. So if yeah. someone feels broken, right. as a child of God, we we are called to enter into those pains, listen to them, and do something about it. I mean, whether you believe something or not, we just have to at least listen to the cries and take a, the responsibility that these are the cries of my people and we're right. we're not called to just sit by, but we're supposed to enter into the pain and do something about that's it. That's what empathy is all about, mm-hmm. really. And so, yeah, that's that's uh, an important response to what we see and what we hear in the world, especially as it pertains to uh, injustice and um, unrighteousness. And so, yep. it's it's this is real. This is real talk, guys. This is this is real world stuff. So, anyway, well, thank you so much for uh, taking your time out of your day to listen to us, Kyla and I. We do what we do because we are inspired by the Holy Spirit to make a change in a world that is in need. Uh, a little bit more positivity. So uh, as we sign off, as I always say each week, uh, go out into that marketplace, uh, make more, save more, give more than you ever dreamed possible to the glory of God, because it's all about loving God and making money. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.